the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, because then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they might be praised by others. Really, I'm telling you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, because they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Really, I'm telling you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites because they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. So when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Now what's this business about secret? Acting in secret? God seeing in secret? I think it's about an inward journey. Jesus is trying to signal to us that these external practices, whether we're praying or fasting or a giving to the poor, that these are about an inward journey. Not that it's a selfish thing, but that this secret, this secret place is, you know, like our like our soul. Um, and this inward journey, in this inward journey, you know, external appearances and image, um, fitting in, getting credit or approval from others, all those things are a distraction for this inner journey. Go into your room, shut the door. And maybe, uh, 
maybe you've noticed, certainly others have commented that uh, there is this uh, tension in Ash Wednesday worship between that going into our rooms and shutting our doors and this uh, public thing we do on Ash Wednesday. Um, walking around with ashes on our foreheads, being noticed by others. But just think about that you as us. It's a plural word. Our room, our door. When we were together, you know, St. Paul is our place. That church building is one we share. It's a sign that this inward journey is one that we cannot do alone. One of, my, uh, one of the kind of places of teaching and mentorship that I look to, they, they, have, they have that as their slogan. Life in the Trinity Ministries, they say. It's, it's for <clears throat> solitary work that cannot be done alone. This is an inward journey that we get to do together. And this year, Maybe emphasizing that going into our room and shutting the door, that secrecy even more. Because here we are in our homes, me and mine and you and yours. No one, no one needs to know. No one sees us doing these acts of piety today. You know, part of the reason why this solitary work can't be done alone is because we need courage from each other. An inward journey is sometimes the most, uh, the scariest and what feels like the most perilous journey there is. We need wisdom from each other and we certainly need the kind of accountability that happens when, uh, you know, I remember um, when I was first getting into a workout routine with some friends, we would have to meet at five o'clock in the morning on the corner of this and that street. And I knew every morning I woke up, the alarm went off. I knew, oh geez, my friends are gonna be waiting for me there. I better show up. That got me going, that kept me going. And so here we are at home still again. I mean, probably we're tired of being at home, ready to, uh, for these vaccines to roll out, ready for our sense of safety to return, ready to get out of the house, certainly ready for this cold, cold weather to be over. But here's a moment to recognize the holiness in our homes. Can you see that? Can you experience that? Today, I hope, is a, is a chance to explore that, to look for that. This secret place of our homes. You know, Teresa of Avila, you've heard me talk about her before. She talks about our souls as heaven within us, God's dwelling place within us. And if that is true, then also your house, my house, no matter where it is or what it looks like, when Jesus says that God sees in secret, I mean, this is not some kind of surveillance. You know, it's not a God's hidden camera. God's sitting back at a, his CCTV and watching all of us to see if we screw up. Not at all. 
This seeing is love. It's life. It's real presence, God's actual being here, making a home with you and me, with us, with this world, in your home, in our homes. A real presence, if often a hidden presence. Perhaps you've heard this phrase of being seen and the power of being seen. You know, it's to be deeply held and understood and, and loved in someone's gaze, someone's eyes. Someone notices you. Someone's glad you're there. Someone appreciates and cares for you. Sometimes all it takes is a look. Certainly that's God's gaze when God sees us and sees in secret. It's that love. It's, it's, a, it's a seeing that makes all things know, new to be seen in that way. And after that, when we are seen in that way, maybe just once or maybe over time, after that, so much falls away, unneeded, like scaffolding that's served its purpose. This is, this being seen is part of the pattern of life, death, resurrection. This is the pattern that Lent draws us into from our individual story through our collective story, and then ultimately to the biggest possible picture, God's story, what is true always and everywhere. You know, we talk about temptation. It's, it's whatever would stall us out at any point in that pattern, get us stuck in life or in death. Make it, make it impossible for us to move through the whole pattern to resurrection. Maybe the temptation is clinging to life as it is, denying death or change and therefore denying resurrection. Or maybe it's the temptation of trying to skip from old life to new life without the, without the struggle, without the suffering, without the transformation that occurs in between. Or maybe the temptation is grieving like those who have no hope. Not grieving in itself, but the hopeless grieving. The, the nihilism, nothing matters, cynicism, wallowing in despair, attacking anyone who has joy and has life. Those are the temptations that we are contending with in these 40 days, wrestling with, knowing that Jesus has so wrestled, knowing that God sees us as we wrestle. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you've failed utterly and completely, but someone who was observing this celebrates you. Something that you did in the midst of that failure I remember there was a, our, our church had a, like a pine wood derby, you know, you make the little cars, carve them out and you race them down a ramp. 
I, my car did terribly, terribly. But my mom was so proud of me, all the same. I mean, it's that kind of being seen that changes the struggle into something bigger, where we discover something about ourselves, about uh, each other, about God in the process. God sees us so that we can see God moving us, moving us through this pattern of life and death and resurrection. In this life, it's always a, a maybe small l, small d, small r, life, death, resurrection. In preparation for that, the greater, the great d, death, the great r, resurrection. So that when we get to that place, we might trust at the end of our lives, at the end of the lives of our loved ones, that there is more, that God sees us, holds us, both in God's loving hands and God's loving gaze. Trust it, notice it, allow it. I mean, maybe you've heard people say that Lent is, is like preparing for Easter. Well, there is a way in which we prepare for the end. Sarah, my wife, tells a story of when when Peter Marty, her, the senior pastor where she serves, when his wife had an aneurysm that could have killed her before she fell to the floor, when she was being airlifted to uh, Iowa City, Sarah caught up to Peter in uh, Genesis Hospital, and what he said to her was this, we've been practicing for this our whole lives. Not that they knew this aneurysm was coming, but that in a life of devotion, piety, faith, religion, spirituality, at its best is a practice for the end of life. Maybe you might think about this Lent as, a, as preparing for the end of the pandemic. I know in my own mind, uh, there is a kind of Easter in that imagination, a freedom, a life, a, a new hope. We're not just preparing for a certain day uh, on the calendar, April 4th, but in a bigger way, preparing for a new kind of a life that certainly the end of the pandemic will, be, will bring. That's why I brought these plants into the mix, a dead plant and a living plant. This plant, I'm sad to say, died during the pandemic. It was given to me I, in my first Christmas at St. Paul. I went to Larsh's Christmas party and I, and I won this plant in a raffle and I kept it alive all those years until the pandemic. I, I actually, I kept it alive through the pandemic, but then when I went away, I went back home in November to visit my dad and uh, my family and stuff, and this plant died. This beautiful poinsettia, Christmas poinsettia, died at last. And then this plant here, we, we planted this one during the pandemic. It's, uh, it's actually an avocado plant. Uh, we made guac one time and we learned that we could, we could just plant 
that uh, it's almost like a potato, what you can do with it. Toothpicks in a glass of water, you know what I mean? Until it sprouts. Um, anyway, now it's growing. If this Lent is in any way a preparation for the end of the pandemic, it's a time to notice what has ended and what has begun. Certainly this time of Lent, a time of um, uh, wrestling with temptation, a time of fasting, a time of renewed commitment, of repentance and returning to God. It's not just about what we've got to do differently. It's about how God is making us different people, new people. And somehow just showing up and noticing that process. Releasing ourselves, surrendering ourselves, so that we become not the people we want to be, but the people that God wants us to be in preparation for Easter this year, in preparation for the end of this pandemic, in preparation for all of the ways God is calling us into uh, receiving love and giving love in the world, helping the poor, praying, fasting. So one more time, we remember our baptisms, this sign that God's work in us has been going on since before we were born. Thanks be to God.